I'm Kathy Campbell. And I'm Julia Scott. And there are good things. Every week we share our tiny joys, something good in the news, and a general good thing that will hopefully make your day a little better. So what's your tiny joy this week? My tiny joy is I purchased and built and put up my very first piece of furniture that was brand new, not counting a mattress. Um, We have a new couch in our house, and I feel very much like an adult. Um, What color is this couch? the, The couch is gray. And what pillows do you have on the couch? I just have one right now that says gather together, which... Obviously, we can't really do, but as a family, we can gather. And I'm just assuming that you're sort of gearing up to put unicorns and glitter and fluff all over that couch. Yes, yes. So we chose, so we have, we also, I also bought a rug, um, which again, first time I've ever bought, like I'm feeling, I I am adulting AF right now. Um, So we, uh, the uh, rug is kind of a gray with a geometric pattern and the couch is a nice, like a bluish gray. And I have two sets of like mirrors with a shelf on it that have plants on it, which uh, we'll see how long those plants live. I'm putting Avi in charge of them, so hopefully they'll last a little bit longer. Um, But around that gray centralization, I think we're going to do a lot of like glitter and pink and and fun fun things. So we have a nice stable look at us adulting and then are going to throw all of the fun all over the place. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. What about you? What is your tiny joy? My tiny joy is uh, is people. (laughs) (laughs) Is... um, as you know, and as you listeners may know, I have been uh, like actual quarantining for about seven weeks at this point. I've been pretty sick uh, with probably the you know what's. Uh, and um, I hope that that doesn't make sense in like six months. Anyway, um, but this week a friend called and said that like they were getting food, they were heading home, and they live fairly close to us. And did we want a burger? So they brought over burgers and cheesy fries, and we had a conversation through a window, and it was really nice. And then a few days later, my sister came over and gave me popsicles for my throat that was hurting, and a set of uh, llama patterned bedsheets because she saw them Ooh. and thought of me. And we talked That's again, talked through a window, and it was just, it was just really nice. Like both the actual literal thing of getting to see people that I like and talk to them, even if it is sort of just hollering through an open window. Um, But I also, you know, I appreciate that people think of us. Like, we're fortunate enough to not need that much help right now. Uh, I mean, we don't need burgers, but it was just a joy to have that much trans fats in my life. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was was just nice to feel like people, people will also sometimes help you even before you ask. Yeah. Yeah. There's this time in the world has kind of um, opened up a lot of eyes for how important human connection is Mm -hmm. Um, and that as incredible as it is to have the internet and be able to like FaceTime and Skype video like we're doing right now and like have that connection, there's something that cannot be replaced and that's feeling like you're in the same space, whether it's through a window or um, sitting in the back of cars or like keeping that 
great social distance and not doing it, you know, multiple times a day and stuff. But sometimes you really just need to feel like you're living in the same world in a way that virtual connection just doesn't seem to be fulfilling. Um, about once a week, my daughter and I will have some sort of like 10 feet apart in outside, like full distance with her friends just to kind of refresh herself so that she can keep that going through. People exist. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I've, I've been a little... It's it's funny because it's both like a blessing and a curse because I'm um, uh, I'm autistic and part of me has just and I, I actually I don't know how much of it has been autism and how much has just been fever and exhaustion <laughs> but like I'm pretty okay with isolation I don't quote unquote need people like I don't feel that lack very strongly and part of me is almost like well it, this is this is bad because it's not necessarily good for me to get used to and be comfortable with not seeing people right but so it was just nice to be like oh right right people exist <laughs> and it seems like it, it refreshed you in a way that you were a little bit surprised about and and part of that has got to be that oh someone's thinking about me which mm -hmm. let's be honest I would say like 90% of the world if not more liked being thought of mm -hmm. you know when somebody goes out of their way to do something special for you it helps you reaffirm that you are important in somebody's life and that can feel really great anyway uh what's what's good in the news um our favorite green friend kermit um did a performance for the world uh of the rainbow connection and it is magical it's brand new and it looks so the way the video is done kermit comes up and it looks like he's hitting play on the camera before he sits back down and starts playing and it's something, it's so, there's something so special about it because, I mean, come on, it's Kermit. Who doesn't love Kermit? And if you don't love Kermit, I'm okay. Just don't tell me. Um, but it, these these things, um, you see it with a lot of different celebrities and uh, different shows are coming back. I mean, there's a an episode of Parks and Recreation that supposedly is coming out. Um these yeah, people because I, I read that the the puppeteers had like had the puppets sent home so that they yes, could work from home they got they got the buddies and the funny thing friends. is like i'm part of me is like i don't want to talk about the fact that they're puppets but it is important because i have heard so many stories of guests on like you know all the different muppet shows human guests or whatever you want to call them will keep interacting with the puppet even after the cameras turn off because it's so they're such like a magical part that it's they don't realize yes. it's not that they're like staying in character they just keep talking to the puppet and right. it's just even if you know you can see you know the guy behind the the curtain with his hand off the puppet spoiler they're puppets they're run by humans on their hands <laughs> just throwing that out there Sh should we should we content warning this like if <laughs> right, right. you have a child who needs the magic of of muppets <laughs> skip this part <laughs> Yeah, but I the fact that they are taking the time, the effort and energy to do these things is so it just makes me happy. So that is the news that is good right now. A uh, tiny flashback to two episodes ago. Uh, originally, my sourdough starters separated into different things were called Bert, Ernie and Rubber Ducky. 
<laughs> I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so great. I love trying okay. to sing the Rainbow Connection as as Kermit. It's fun. It's so cute. All right, Julia, tell us a good thing. A good thing is octopuses. <laughs> Which is an acceptable plural, but if you want to be nitpicky, it would be uh, octopodes, not octopi, because it's like Greek versus Latin and different declensions, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But uh, octopuses is an entirely acceptable plural. Octopi is actually not at all. Whatever. Anyway, they're amazing, and I wanted to talk about them. Uh, you listeners should, of course, know, uh, just as fair warning, uh, that I have a big octopus tattoo on one leg. I have several pieces of octopus-themed jewelry and clothing, and the most popular line of pottery that I make is tentacle-handled mugs and other things, if, you know, if that tells you anything. So um, some basics. They are a kind of mollusk, which you forget, like they are, you know, related to clams. Uh, And they're part of the class cephalopods, which also includes squids, cuttlefish, and nautiloids, those um, swirly shelled things with all the tentacles coming out in front, which is actually... An interesting point, technically, octopuses don't have tentacles. They have arms. Like, technically, technically, tentacle is the word for a very specific kind of limb. Like, it has a specific shape, and it's sometimes used for feeding. And that's not the kind of arm that octopuses have. But in, like, the actual general world, everyone still knows what you mean. But it's an interesting, like, trivia thing to tell people. Um, if you say, did you know that octopuses don't have tentacles? And people would be like, what? What? Uh, so uh, you get octopusy monster lore in a lot of parts of the world. You have the kraken up here in the Nordics. You have the akurokamiu, which is uh, a form of uh, Japanese monster. And you have the Cthulhu myth created by H.P. Lovecraft. Some people think that the gorgon in Greek mythology is also a form of octopus. And like they are... They do look kind of scary. And you're just like, oh, no, suckers, arms, grabby. A lot of people, you know, have, what's it called? Thalassophobia, uh, a fear of deep water because you don't know what's down there, which is a thing. Like, we don't we don't really know what's down there. Uh, the, the biggest octopus on record is claimed to have been 600 pounds or 272 kilos, an arm span of 30 feet or nine meters. Uh, The biggest scientifically documented one had a live mass of 156 pounds or 71 kilos. They're very wet animals, so they weigh less when they're dead. Both of those were giant Pacific octopuses. There are some amazing videos because most of those we only ever get to see as carcasses because they live so far down. They don't really like come up much. And if they do, it's probably because they're injured. There are some amazing videos of like little... uh, camera submarine proby thingies going really deep and you can hear sort of the narration from the scientists who are somewhere far away and they see just a giant octopus going by and they're just like there's just so much joy because you don't see them much and they're these I mean almost mythical creatures you know you can just see them you know taking on a great uh, great white shark or a blue whale or something they're ridiculous the smallest kind uh, is the octopus wolfie or wolfie, uh, also called the star sucker pygmy octopus. I love oh my gosh, scientific what a names. Cute name. <laughs> uh, which is about an inch big and it weighs less than one gram. Oh my goodness. I'm sure you've seen pictures online of what's called a Dumbo octopus because it looks exactly like you've, you'd imagine. It's just this like 
little blorpy blob with little tentacles at the bottom of it. And it has two ears and it's so cute and it's so small. I'll try to find pictures of all these and, and put them in the show notes. Scientists think that there are about 300 species of octopus. And that's specifically octopus, not the other cephalopods. Uh, but obviously, like, we have no idea what's hiding somewhere in the depths. And that's true for, you know, tons of different sea creatures. But I could see them just, like, chilling down there, doing their thing. Uh, they have uh, pretty big brains in proportion to their body. And they have about 500 million neurons in their bodies, which puts them at a level with, like, dogs. So, like, smaller but still biggish mammals. Because um, they're, they're invertebrates. They don't have spines. But when you try to compare intelligence it's hard because we have such very different physical i don't know design is so yeah. it's it's hard to compare but it's interesting most of their neurons are in their arms and their arms can you know without input from the brain they can control basic motions and they can taste and touch without the brain telling it to because they're neurons out there i think of it kind of like how some of the bigger dinosaurs are supposed to have like butt brains because there's it's so far from their brains to the back <laughs> half of their body. And so octopus brains and vertebrate brains, they're not they they don't have any anatomy that's the same, but they can do a lot of things that are the same, which is not a given uh for other invertebrates. So they have different forms of short and long-term memory. They have versions of sleep. Uh they can recognize individual people including remembering if they've been mean to them they can tell if you're looking at them and they explore objects through play there have been studies that suggest that they dream like you can tell they have REM-like activity but also now recently you they've seen them like changing color and shape in their sleep which would suggest that they dream so in in my head I would say that they're super smart which is like not a scientific term they do really well though on tests like um, getting through mazes following up on visual cues and like telling things apart and doing things as a sort of order. Uh, they can unscrew jars to get at a treat. They can unscrew jars from the inside, which is really fun. Like if they're stuck in a jar and they are absolute escape artists. Uh, yes. There are some amazing stories about aquariums or pet stores where fish mysteriously go missing in some tanks and they catch an octopus sneaking out of its tank and into the other one and then back, which is the best part. It's not just escaping. It's just like, just going for a little midnight snacky snack. I've heard one about uh, an octopus that got out of its tank and threw a not that fresh shrimp at its keeper. I don't know if that's true, but I love it. Uh, there have been at least two stories um, where the octopus would shoot water at like a lamp or a light fixture and short circuit the power in like the entire building because I guess it was annoying. Uh, one of them uh, got to costing so much money that they just released it back into the wild because it just they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't contain it. And that is some people say like, well, it's not like a form of intelligence to you know get into a neighboring tank. But it's the thing of going in, like getting out, but then also, you know, getting back. It didn't just like stay in the tank. It had some sort of like I think of it like if you talk about like dogs or pigs or small humans, like when they get to the point where they can think in several steps when they're yeah. sneaky, that's where I think a certain form of intelligence kind of gets to be a thing. Yeah, I remember reading about one that would like short out the camera mm -hmm. the video camera and would sneak out and sneak back in so the the um people didn't know that it was the 
octopus. Yeah, they thought it was, was just something wrong with the circuits. Like, why yeah, is this camera? And, and so they at put the up a, a, a second secret camera so that they could see the octopus spraying the water at the camera, escaping, going whatever he was doing, and then getting back in. Exactly. It's and it's the getting back thing where yes. they're like, I mean, it's a good life. I get fed, whatever. It's just I love it. And, you know, there are videos of them waving back at their trainers, which, again, you can discuss is learning tricks, a form of intelligence. But it is for that measure of it. Like when you figure out can animals sort of learn tricks, take orders, that does involve some sort of intelligence. And they are absolute also masters of disguise. I'm sure you've seen the videos of how they can change both their color and their pattern markings and the shape and surface of their skin. They, so they mimic other sea creatures and plants and things like you can see them becoming dragonfish, which you would think would be really hard because it's all floaty bits and sharp right. spikes. Um, they can hide completely. Uh, I, I read one story where the scientists were like, well, we saw it making these whatever, say like 20 shapes and they could only identify a certain number of them and they weren't sure if that meant that it was animals that they just hadn't seen yet like they haven't seen that fish or if like the octopus was just being artistic <laughs> and uh you see them they just they do these hilarious things like it will find two halves of a coconut on the sand under the water and pull them towards itself so it can hide inside a now whole coconut it's just they're just great octopuses are Smart and beautiful and lovely and weird and aliens, and the world is a tiny bit better for them. I agree. 100%. <laughs> All right, Julia, go ahead and tell me what is a good news thing for you. A good today? news thing is uh, very local to me. It's called Fabriken or the Apron Factory, which is a group of volunteers here in Stockholm who just I think like a week and a half or two weeks ago, started making uh, protective gear for home health aides and other people who work in healthcare. So there are those like sort of pull on aprons with the sleeves, as far as I can mm, understand, yeah, yeah, yeah. because there's a huge shortage of them. Um, you know, like people who care for the elderly in their homes, they can see you know, dozens of people in one day and they need to be able to switch their protective gear between each person right now. Uh, and the government has ordered several thousand of these from H&M, if I remember correctly, but they're still a ways away. So someone who actually knows what they're doing, who works in medicine, uh, who actually turns out his brother, a friend of mine, designed this like apron cover thing. The pieces are cut out of plastic uh, with a pattern and they're fused together by a heat gun and they're folded and packed and sent off to all these workers who need them. And it just started as this small volunteer thing. It's not huge. They have People work in like protective gear as well. They have masks and, and gloves and everything. And they make sure that the tables that they're working on is a good distance apart. But just so many people have shown up, uh, including people who like take on admin, make sure that there's not too many people and who teach the new people how to do things. And I just think, and, and they're actually now starting to start up sort of um, warehouse buildings like this in other cities in Sweden as well. And I I think it's really, really great. Again, coming back to, you know, people, people will show up. Yeah, uh, that's I have a friend who's uh, he's kind of he's a, a zombie disaster expert, like he's written books about uh, zombie disasters, but it's all like it's also in general about preparedness. So he's also kind of a, like a crisis and catastrophe scientist, I guess, sort of. <laughs> and what he says is that, you know, a lot of the research on tons of different kinds of disasters 
show that most of the movies are so off because you don't get pandemonium and, you know, people fighting each other. What you get is people showing up. And yeah. he jokes that the best thing you can do to prepare for the apocalypse is know who your neighbors are. But I just, I like that people are just like, what what can I do? In some cases, it's making sure that all the volunteers get some water while they're gluing. In other cases, it's, you know, calling and making sure there's transport. And um, yeah, I think it's a good thing. And sometimes it's bringing hamburgers to a friend. It is. And yeah. there are always good things. You can share your good things, good news, and tiny joys with us at thereareGoodThingsPod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter as PodGoodThings. Our show notes, which will include so much octopus content, are <laughs> at thereareGoodThings.com. See you next week. Mm-hmm.